Hello! It is currently March 19th, 2021. It is a Friday, which means new empty the queues because we're back on schedule now. Um, but I have good news and bad news. Now, the bad news is this is not a new episode. This is episode what you thought was episode six, but what I now know is episode seven. But the good news is that there is a new episode. It's just backwards in chronology. So, okay, so here's what happened. <laughs> What happened is uh, in in producing and, and uploading these episodes, I completely skipped over um, our conversation of the fifth episode of The Good Place. Uh, and I and so I've been an episode off for two episodes now. So long story short, um, I'm I fixed the mistake. So if if you have listened to, to the show before today, um, go back. It's episode five. That is the new one. Um, and this is the not new one, but it looks new. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? If 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 you're if you're confusion, uh you can you can hit us up in in the places. But long story short, this is not a new episode. Episode five is my mistake. Sorry. Okay, bye. <laughs> Let's fucking do this. Let's fucking do it. Okay. Wow. Everybody just simultaneously had a brain reboot necessary. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for Will to do host things. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I didn't really plan that far in advance. I just kind of <laughs> said a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Better than we last just, time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so we just watched episode seven. This one was written by Megan Amram, uh, which is important um, because it is. Is it? Okay. Listen, my brain is is everything and nothing are, right now. Are what did y'all okay? think about this episode? Uh, I love this episode. I mean, it's, yeah. a, it's a Janet episode. Of course, it's a good episode. It's yeah. really fucking good. I think that that's it's, why it's good. that's why it's important to me that it was Megan Amram because she so she's the one who writes like 90 percent of the absurd background jokes mm-hmm. and her episodes. From what I remember of listening to The Good Place, the podcast, which, by the way, there is like a uh, mm. like an after show cast and crew discussion podcast. And usually I fucking hate those. Um, but this one's really, really, really good. And to my memory, every time she was on that podcast, because she had written the episode, they were always really good episodes. Um, so let's, let's jump into summary. Ellie, you want to take it? Yeah, let's do it. So we left off last time with, um, Michael, uh, deciding that he was the problem and he was the reason that everything was going to shit and that he was going to retire, go off into retirement. (laughs) <laughs> what <laughs> i didn't hear you as it felt oh <laughs> that's yeah fair <laughs> uh going into retirement and eleanor is continuing to uh like wanting to continue to lie and gd being like no and so this episode is a lot about that um <laughs> so michael tells everybody that he is going off into retirement because he believes that he is the cause of all the problems in The Good Place. And, of course, it's Eleanor. Chidi uh, tells Eleanor that they need to stop lying. And Eleanor tells Chidi that 
all of her problems have been solved, like, um, without any work. Um, and she also tells him, uh, he, Michael, like, brought me here in the first place, which led to the other problems, which means he is the real problem. Chidi tells her that lying is always bad. Um, lying is always, always bad. Um, they go to help Tahani plan Michael's retirement party. Mm -hmm. Um, and at that party, they find out that retirement is actually eternal damnation. Um, and Michael lists, like... What's it called? The Eternal Shriek? The Eternal Shriek. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which which also, mood. Mood! Um, <laughs> There's also some deep uh, philosophical and theological implications by this because it succinctly <laughs> delineates the difference between the soul and the body. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, because it, he says, he describes it in excruciating detail. Um... And one of the things that he says is that uh, they will remove the soul from his body along with other stuff. And then whatever is left of his, like, shell will be beaten by a titanium rod. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then Eleanor is upset, right? She says, like, almost handed the perfect solution to all my problems without having to work for it. And uh, Chidi is like, we so you have to make a decision. And Eleanor says, no, this is we're going to continue to lie and then find a way to save Michael. Um, and so earlier we find out that Janet runs the trains that go into the Eternal Shriek slash retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, and she calls Janet to find out how to stop Janet from doing anything. And of course, Janet has the equivalent of a big red button. Um, I mean, the, no, no, no. Literally. She has a big red button. <laughs> she, yes. Well, at this point, we don't know that it's a literal big red button. Oh, true. True, true, true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to build suspense. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, right. And so she asks Janet how to shut her off, and Janet tells her about the kill switch. Um, uh, and then um, we go back to the retirement uh, gathering, which has now been switched to somber mode. Everything mm-hmm. is in black. Um and Michael is generally very cranky. He talks, he, like, doesn't give Tahani any leeway when Tahani tries to do a speech. Um, and he talks about how he's sad because he can't, he can't do all the human things that he wanted to do. And then lists, like, I we'll have get the there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, we're going to get there? We'll, we'll get there. Okay. I think we should talk about it. There's a lot of interesting things in that list. Yes. Okay. Um... And then we go back to the scene with Janet, and at the scene with Janet, um, uh, they're at the literal big red button on the beach, and Janet's programmed to beg for her life when someone tries to hit it. There's a lot of discussion about AI ethics in this episode, like huge amount, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. along among with other things. Uh, and then <laughs> uh, Janet does die, or mm-hmm. as far as... Janet can die. Mm -hmm. Um, We will also get there. Uh, (laughs) But then Janet also is apparently programmed to broadcast all across the good place, attention, I have been murdered. Um, Chidi is the one who has ended up pushing the button by accident, it should be said. Um, And, uh, right, and so the fact that she's been murdered causes Michael to postpone his retirement. Um, 
Janet is, of course, an AI, and she sits up in the coffin that she's been put in. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, wearing different clothing, I should mm-hmm. note. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried. <laughs> I like the purple. <laughs> I love you, Kevin. <laughs> uh, and she is she's basically back at like stage one for an AI. She has to have everything re-uploaded and she doesn't know how to do anything. She doesn't know anything. Nothing. Not a goddamn thing. Not a goddamn thing. Hello. Um, hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, not a goddamn thing. Uh, and so uh, Chidi, Michael, and Jianyu, who is also in on this now, um, have a conversation about keeping the secret that they were involved with the murder of Janet. Chidi is in agony over having to keep a secret and lie. Um, and describes it to Eleanor. Michael gathers everyone um, for a group meeting where she starts off with someone slaughtered Janet. Um, He asks people to... (laughs) Right. He asks people, like, if you know anything, please tell us. And Eleanor sees how much this is hurting Chidi. And so Eleanor stands up and she reveals that it's because of her and that she is in the good place by mistake. Um, The B-plot to this episode are flashbacks to... Uh, Chidi's um, some some scenes from Chidi's time as a professor at professor graduate student at um, both both yeah Profaduate. that's right yes both Profaduate. sorry you know that yeah. grad school life where you are fourteen roles and yeah. get compensated correctly for zero of them or you know there's a reason just, why I'm not really in you grad just go teach anymore. at a community college and make less than you make at Taco Bell yeah. Uh, We're fine. Quite literally, what happened to the te- English teacher I had at community college? Yeah, please, ki- please kill me. Um, yeah, <laughs> death. Uh, the right. The B plot is him and this epistemolo- epistemologist, which, by the way, is significant. Um, talking about uh, he, the epistemologist professor has bought a pair of bright red, crystalled, extremely pointy boots. They're so fucking pointy. They're very pointy. They They're are so hideous. Pointy. And Chidi, of course, lies to him. The one of those social nice lies where you tell uh, people that something looks nice, even if it doesn't, because you know they spent a lot of money on it, and you feel bad, or things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And it goes kind of out of control for Chidi. Chidi <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, agonizes over it. He literally wakes his uh, girlfriend up in the middle of the night uh, to be like, "Why did I tell him that?" Uh, <laughs> I liked his boots. His girlfriend is not impressed. Um, he tries to, like, tell uh, the professor that his boots are terrible, and in that scene, if he t- finds out, the professor has bought him his own pair of bright red, crystalled, extremely pointy boots because he liked the boots so much. And in the final scene, the professor is in the ER because he is has an aneurysm, this is not how aneurysms or surgery works, by the way. No. <laughs> uh, at all. But he has an aneurysm, and so uh, he does this, He has, like, a 50-50 chance that he's going to die after, like, they put him under, which is also not how that works. Um, and Chidi says, you know, I love you, man. But Chidi waits all night uh, for him to come out of surgery. And as soon as he sees that he's fine, he tells him that he hates his boots. 
Yes. <laughs> and, and that makes him feel better. It is his best performance in a single scene so yes, far. Um, I, I would absolutely argue for the line, and I have it. Uh, where Where is my note here? Uh, yeah, I would. I would. I would argue that the best delivery is of the line. Mm, thanks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm, thanks. Which had me laughing so hard. We get a lot more of this, like extremely anxious, cheaty. Yeah, uh, just so anxious. Speaking through gritted teeth, not out of fury, but out of sheer panic. We get retreating, a lot more of him retreating into his shirt. Kind of. You're retreating yes. into your shirt. You're kind of turtling. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I feel like the, like, early, early anxious cheaty depends a lot on the whole, like, I have a stomachache thing. And that does, like, that continues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as the show goes on, they let him just, like, embody anxiety more. And I fucking yep. love it. So you're it's saying I'm going to see more of you and Ellie in cheaty as we go along. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not so much in this episode, because I don't have problems with with lying. <laughs> <laughs> About certain things. I wouldn't I have like... a problem with telling him that his boots are fine. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have phrased it the way Chidi did because Chidi sucks at lying. We've successfully um, reached the point where the show sort of reveals Chidi's foil. That everyone yes. has had their foil on their sleeve. Chidi's has been there. But now we're like, we're this is the thing we're gonna make fun of about Chidi. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, let's I guess let's start let's start with this B plot. Um and may, discussions. May I do a small yes. actor spotlight? Please. So it's really weird if you watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and then watch The Good Place. Yes. Uh there is a fantastic episode uh in season ten. And this is extremely ableist, but the the title of the character and the episode is Psycho Pete. I think the episode's called Psycho Pete Returns. And it's about how the gang had this like friend in high school who ended up being a cannibalistic murderer. But because the gang are absolutely horrible people, when he returns to Philly for the first time, having been uh, away for many years, it turns out he's just a chill dude. And yeah. all of that stuff was a rumor that they themselves made up and forgot about. Uh, <coughs> he's like, just he, a, he's just a normal guy. <laughs> he's just this mild mannered American dude. Dominic Burgess. <laughs> Dominic Burgess is from Stoke on Trent. <laughs> and he's playing an Australian <laughs> in The Good Place. <laughs> yep. Yep. I love this man's range. I'm going to be straight up about that Australian accent. I wanted to launch myself into the sun. It's it's very cheesy, but yeah, it's, it's not fun great. cheesy because yeah, like we're watching the good place. The very casual American observer will not identify it as anything other than an Australian accent, right. which is why it is there in an American sitcom. Yes. However, dear God, yeah, no, please stop. Uh-huh. You're telling me that does it sound authentic Australian to you? Yeah, he's basically just channeling the crocodile dude. Fosters. The crocodile dude. Listen, I don't do names. Are we today. talking about Steve Irwin? <laughs> yes, or Steve Dundee? Irwin. That's Kyle the one. Dundee. Yeah. Crocky. Lord. Okay. Anyway. Let's let's dig into this uh, cheaty subplot. First off, uh, I also would not have an issue telling this dude that his boots 
are cool. But that is because I live for balls to the wall fashion. So, so you're telling me you purchased replicas of these boots off a shady website through a Facebook ad. I wouldn't yes. not. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, that sounds about right. Y'all know me. Much in the if same way Facebook keeps trying to sell me shirts made from the same fabric pattern that Doc Brown has in Back to the Future 2, <laughs> which has cowboys and trains on it to signal that the second movie is going to be in the Wild West. Right. Yes. Yes. Now, if, if those boots were pink, yeah. You'd be fully uh, on board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I hate those boots, but I would have zero <laughs> problems telling someone that they were fine, that they were not my thing. But if you like them, then that's the important part, which yeah. is not a lie. Right. Quite. Quite. <laughs> right. There is a bit of omission happening. But of yes. course, I'm also just like one of my things is language and playing with language. And one of the things that I do with language is being able to get out of uncomfortable and awkward situations <laughs> that I don't like. That includes telling people that their clothing is nice. That, that does bring up unless the second it is, most. Unless sorry. it is. Unless it is so hideous, absolutely so hideous <laughs> that I tell them that, listen, I know that you think this is great, but you, like, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta return it. I hope you still have the receipt. This is, does not work for you. <laughs> well, this brings up the second most interesting ethical thing in the episode. And it's, well, I guess not even that specifically ethical thing, but it's, it's why would Chidi's comedically missing the point here? Like, yes, I get that it's hardwired into him from an anxiety standpoint, but it's interesting to me that the show literally takes the ethics character and says, he just can't, he just can't get it. It, it just, the, he can't get there. He knows it on paper, but he can't. Dude, is, I understand. This is that. why everyone hates moral it's philosophy. It's so very professors. human. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> like, even if you're not a uh, an ethicist, uh, you know, professor, moral, meow meow, ethnologist, uh, obviously. Yeah, oh, yep, that's it. That's the one. Um, <laughs> Ethitarian. Yeah, like. If you if ethics are something that you think of when you process like every thought and action that you do, for instance, if you live in my hell brain, uh, you can absolutely logically know what the ethical decision is and still uh, and still like not be able to get there because your brain is so stuck in a loop of trying to ethics. Like, you can accidentally unethics because you're so focused on the ethics. Yeah, and this is why I didn't go into ethics as a field. <laughs> this is why I go to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I do neither. I just take notes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, Kathy Ann over here like, bitch, have you tried chilling? Have you tried chilling the fuck out? Have you, have you tried this cool new thing that they've invented? It's called relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, okay. Ellie, I know that you have a lot to say about the ethics of lying here, though. So Yeah, please. so let's let's actually talk about the philosophy stuff that's, that's in this episode so that when we analyze the rest of it, we can come at it from all of the different angles. So this episode is actually fairly complex, um when it comes to the philosophies that they are addressing, um, because they're approaching lying from several different standpoints. 
mm-hmm. via different mm-hmm. characters. Um, so Chidi's statement that lying is always wrong is, as he says when he wakes his girlfriend up in the middle of the night, um, the statement from Kant. So Immanuel Kant, um, who I'm sure we will be talking about more, uh, says that lying is always morally wrong. And that's because all persons are born with an intrinsic self-worth, otherwise like human dignity, right? Mm -hmm. And to be human is to have this rational power of free choice. Lies are therefore morally wrong for two reasons. The first reason is that it corrupts the power to make free choice and it therefore, um, it contradicts the part of yourself that gives you moral worth. It it desecrates your own human dignity. Mm -hmm. And the second reason is because obviously the lie will rob others of their freedom to choose rationally. Um... So, therefore, um, in order to value both oneself and others um, as an ends instead of means, right, Um, Mm -hmm. we have duties, what's called perfect duties. So, they are duties that have no exceptions whatsoever to avoid harming or interfering with others, people's uh, freedom of rational choice. So, that's Kant. And Kant takes a very hard line, knows, like, hard line about lying. Um, and that is Chidi's position. Chidi is coming from uh, Kant. One pause here. You mm-hmm. might be able to hear that timer. Yep. I'm going to go save my brownies from Get burning. Get those brownies! I want a brownie. Hey, fuck Spotify. Hey, fuck Spotify. I was just checking in on that one on Vice just now. <laughs> yeah, yexeroni. Woo! You know, I was very sad when they cut our contract for me writing for them. Because they paid me very well. And now, I am less sad. (laughs) In the case of Joe Rogan, a total of 10 meetings have been held with various groups and individuals to hear their respective concerns, Eek said. (sighs) And some of them want Rogan removed because of the things he said in the past. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, wait, is this before? The fact that we aren't changing our position doesn't mean we aren't listening. It just means we made a different judgment call. Fuck you. Fuck you. I'm back. Hi. V did it for me because V is cool. Aw, yay. Okay. Kant. Yes. Okay. So. Yes. Um, hey, Kant sounds uh, like I don't want to be friends with him. Oh, uh, the line uh, that the girlfriend has that that is uh, Kant was a lonely, obsessive hermit who had zero friends is true. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Like, it's it's a fact. Yeah, this dude Uh, fucking blows. Yeah, he is... On one hand, I absolutely value ethics and I do understand meow, 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 all of that. I think ethics are good. I think devoting your life to ethics is good. However, also, like... No. No. (laughs) Kant made some choices, and some of those choices were not great. (laughs) Hey, actually, this brings up a thing that I have been thinking about a lot that is maybe not necessarily... No, actually, you know, I, I do think it is directly related. So one thing that I have been processing a lot lately is when we talk about, uh, like, making sure as few people are harmed in a situation uh, as possible, I feel mm. like we usually count ourselves as not a person who could be harmed. Um, but when we take a step back and we actually do the math, like the math doesn't work, work out because a person is still harmed if you are the one 
taking the fall for something. Like if you are putting the mm-hmm. um, the weight of an ethical choice on only yourself and only you are taking, you know, a decision on, that's still one human person and one human life. It's just yours. So you're likely to de- devalue it. So really, mm-hmm. when Kant was doing all of this and saying all of this, like, he was still doing harm. It was just self-harm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of very interesting critiques about Kant, uh, and some of them have to do with the value of your own human life. Uh, yes. Granted, some of those critiques need to be scrutinized very carefully because they're about yes. individualist ethics, which is a very American oh. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. No, no, no. And it's <laughs> bad. That's the bad way to go. That's Don't the bad do that. way to go. You're saying we <laughs> fucked up? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ellie, that just doesn't quite scan. I can't see any evidence that we somehow fucked this one up. <laughs> Fuck, Gavin. <laughs> I tried so hard to play in the space with you, like, answering, like, yup, just, like, no. deadpan, and I Hold couldn't on. do it. Hold on, my phone just updated. I haven't checked Twitter in four, four years. I just needed to look at what's happening right quick. Oh, Christ, my body hurts. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is actually an observation. So I watched this episode twice, and the first time I watched it, I watched it with John, who mm-hmm. I have mentioned on the show before. He is my mm-hmm. partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also has studied philosophy. Um, mostly philosophy of history, but also the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um And one of the things that he commented in ethics is that a lot of the stuff in this particular realm of philosophy, this, uh, like, contractualism, which is a lot of the stuff that's in, uh, that's in The Good Place, is mostly written by white American men. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, especially all the stuff that gets cited the most and the stuff where it came from is all white American men. There's a couple of British people in there, some other random folks that get cited sometimes. But for the most part, the stuff that gets cited is all white American men, and it is heavily individualist, which is a problem. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we also see, when it comes to lying, um, we see uh, utilitarian ethics, right, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in Eleanor. Because Eleanor says, right, uh, the ends justify the means, Um and then, actually, like, note about when Eleanor says the ends justify the means. Chidi asks her if she knows who says that, and she says that she hopes it was Oprah. And then Chidi tells her that it was Machiavelli, a very non-Oprah-like <laughs> figure, except Eleanor's reaction happens after hearing the word Machiavelli, which would indicate that she knows who Machiavelli is without <laughs> yeah. needing an, an explanation. Which I found... I don't buy that i don't buy that which i so i think it's like some kind of like error i think that she should have had that reaction after he says a non-oprah like figure agreed there's Um, there's a way to write that joke i say full of myself because i wrote that exact kind of joke like two weeks ago (laughs) where the character who does not know many things just for some reason knows one very specific thing that surprises everyone around them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but and I, I think there could be a chance. the joke isn't that she gets that Machiavelli is bad. Right. There could be a chance that, like, she heard about Machiavelli in a history class and was like, oh, this dude owns. Right. 
Um, but they didn't play that up, which they no. should have. Yeah. I think it would have been much funnier if she should have been like, I mean, right, I remember him. He's great. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that would have been much cooler. But that didn't happen. I think that this was just a failure on direction yes. here. Um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so Eleanor is talking about the ancestors by the means. This is, of course, utilitarian ethics, right? Utilitarian mm-hmm. ethics, they believes in balancing the benefits and the harms of the consequences of the lie. Mm-hmm. Granted, this creates the problem that we talked about before, right? You have to, it requires you to be able to correctly identify all of the consequences before making the decision to lie. This is, of course, the critique of utilitarian ethics um, and utilitarianism in general. Mm-hmm. Uh there is no way that you can identify all of the potential consequences, especially negative ones. Um, but what if you're smart? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we have Eleanor doing utilitarian ethics. Uh, Chidi is embodying Kantian ethics. Um, we also have... Um, sorry, give me a second here. So there's a little bit of virtue ethics kind of mixed into this. So you may have remembered virtue ethics is some of the earliest forms of ethics. Um, We talked about it in some of the very first episodes. So to be virtuous is to be ethical. That's the statement of virtue ethics. Um, And lying is wrong because it opposes the virtue of honesty. Um, So for instance, here, we're going to kill Janet to help Michael uh, is a contradiction, right? That's a contradiction in reasons under virtue ethics because um, you're doing a bad thing. (laughs) Right. Uh, It is... How does Chidi phrase it? Like, one of the most notorious ethical no-nos. No-nos, yeah. Yep. (laughs) Right. So in virtue ethics, the way that that works, just to let you all know, because I suspect this is going to come up again... um, In virtue ethics, in order to succeed at, like, dealing with those kinds of contradictions, someone practicing virtue ethics needs to follow the unity of virtues doctrine. So in this doctrine, you have to imagine what the ideal person would do. Um, So lying, the act of lying, is immoral when it moves away from being that ideal person. If it moves you uh, towards being that ideal person... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then it's fine. Right. This uh, this yeah. field of ethics, I mean this field of philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. I just have a, I just have a general uh-uh feeling yes, about it. That's valid. It's nothing, right? Like this is it's, I mean it it more or less boils down to the same uh like philosophical discussions about free will and god or ethics and god. Like right. you know, why is something ethical? Oh, well because god says so. Okay, well why does god say so? Because it's ethical. Like that's nothing. That's just circular reasoning. You're you're getting into some weed smoking Scott Adams <laughs> writing his own religion book level. Good. <laughs> I, I wish. We, I wish that was me right now. You do not wish to read Scott Adams' books. Oh, trust I, I'm me. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I meant I really wish I were high right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make that abundantly clear. Amazing. Uh, 
fully so intend on not being sober tonight. Uh, would good. love to not be sober right now, but here we are. But here we are. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I hope for you to be not be not sober later. I, that's the plan, baby. Um. So but one more like, thing. Right. Right. Oh. Like it, it's 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 ethical because it's virtuous, and it's virtuous because it's ethical. That's nothing. <laughs> It's a little bit more complicated than that. Uh, well, well, meow, meow, meow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, in order to be virtuous, you must be ethical. Um, and yeah, if you succeed at being the ideal virtuous person, like ideal ethical actions of a virtuous person, then you are virtuous. It is a little bit nothing sometimes. Thank you. Uh, I'll take that's it. That's also I'll take because. That as a win. <laughs> Yeah, that's also because virtue ethics is like, eh? I mentioned this in one of the first episodes when we talked about Aristotle, virtue ethics is kind of eh. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay, so the last thing is actually Scanlan, right? So the reason I am bringing up Scanlan is twofold. First, there's a little bit of Scanlan in here, of course. And the reason and I say is, of course. This is a Scanlan who wrote What We Owe to Each Other, correct? Yes, sorry. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to bring up Scanlan who wrote What We Owe to Each Other, which we saw, to, we, we were introduced to two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he writes in Contractualism, which is the social contract theory. You mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. have a contract uh, that we are going to function in a certain way and make certain decisions in accordance to our standards, our agreed-upon standards, in order to keep society functioning, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so the reason I'm bringing up Scanlon is because Today, I decided to find out who the philosophy experts were <laughs> for The Good Place. Mm-hmm. And I looked them up, and they both have very brief Wikipedia pages. Um, surprisingly, I actually know one of them. Of one of them. Mm, uh, nice. Right. So the first person is the one that I found kind of, kind of eh. So the first philosopher is Todd May. He's very popular in political philosophy. He's uh, extremely well-cited proponent of what's called post-anarchism. Um, I won't get into that because it's not important for where we are right now. Uh, uh, but he I also will writes, say, based yes. on the title, I I would like not post. So <laughs> yeah. I'm already a little bit wary of this man. That's valid. Um, is this man also- white? Yes, he absolutely is. Okay. Yeah. Um, How could you tell? His name is, is Todd. <laughs> Yeah, his full name is Todd Gifford May. God, okay. Yeah. Uh, he also writes about, of course, uh, existentialism and all of these things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that he's well known for is that he has written a lot of books and essays about different uh, areas of his philosophical expertise that are written specifically for laymen. Um, oh, okay. So, like, he has one book that's just written, like, the title is literally, like, Death. Okay. Yeah. That's one of the things that he does. So that's why I was like, okay, this makes sense as to why he's on the good place. Yeah. The other philosopher, (laughs) who is the one that I know, uh, is um, Pamela Hieronymi. I'm probably pronouncing that name wrong because I have forgotten how to pronounce it. I used to, but I have forgotten. Um, She is a specialist in moral psychology she writes a lot about responsibility, agency, trust, and forgiveness. Here's the kicker. This woman's dissertation professor was Scanlon. 
<laughs> she still had the textbook. Yes. Uh, and so the other thing uh, that was on the Wikipedia page, which was a delightful thing for me to read, as you will find out what I mean by delightful, is one of the things that she did on the show was she guided writers through existentialism and the trolley problem. <laughs> Let me just open up a couple tabs here. We need, I feel like at this point, yeah. we need some kind of a sound effect, right? Yes, my, we do. My old favorite here. Welcome back, the fat villain. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks because yeah, so, I, I would love to make the trolley problem noise at Choo Choo, but there's yes. too much trains in the good place. So yeah, I can't. That's you would think for all the talk. But oh. sadly, Will, I come up nothing in this one. Be patient, sweet I got today. shit We will to get do. there, probably. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, sh- that's her thing. That's her shtick. She, like, uh-huh. specializes in this stuff because Scanlon was literally her dissertation professor at Harvard. Um, I have read some of her work before. Uh, she, uh... She has written a few essays on, um, like, agency and forgiveness that mm-hmm. are really interesting about how those inter- interconnect and collide. Mm-hmm. Um, however, this might sound snarky, but yes. genuine question from someone who has no idea. No, that's fine. Is the ethics field that big? <laughs> Listen. Like, like, is it is it? <laughs> No, yes. I'm, I'm, ge- I'm like, is no, it yeah, weird that they are that close or is it just sort of like... It's not that weird. Um, okay. I... It's... Go ahead. Yeah, it's not that weird. Um, or I guess it's academia, like... not the entirety of ethics as an idea. Right, exactly. That's the thing, right? Is that right. academia is not the only place where ethicists like spring up out of the ground fully formed. Um so I, I would be shocked, and I would I would have to go back, obviously, and listen to The Good Place, the podcast, because I believe they do touch on this. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Michael Schur, when he was doing his research and prep for this show, um, read what we owe to each other, and then specifically sought out Scanlon, oh, yeah. and then by extension was like, well, <laughs> well, this other person is the closest I'm going to get. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked if this was a very purposeful choice. There, They have an interview. There's an interview article with Pamela um, yes, and Todd. Yeah. And I did not read it because it has spoilers. So, Right. I'll go back. I'll go back and read that. Um, yeah. And give updates. Sounds great. But yeah, I have read some of her work before. I thought that it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it being way more accessible than fucking Scanlon. Yeah. <laughs> um, listen, I was talking to John last night also about how I need to reread what we owe to each other. Mm-hmm. And John was like, it's 450 pages of academic drivel. Like, don't do this to yourself. <laughs> yeah. It's it's literally, basically, the book that Michael is like, yeah, no. <laughs> like, no, cheaty. Cheaty, no. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, so yeah, but the, so let's go back to now that we have spoken about the wildness of those philosophy experts, uh, 
let's briefly touch back on Scanlan so that we know about it going in. Mm-hmm. So Scanlan, as I mentioned, is a contractualist. He's also what's called what I call a, he's a baby pluralist for fucking babies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, wonderful. <laughs> So ethical pluralism is the idea that there are a lot of theories about what's right and what's wrong uh-huh. and that the, some of those might be incompatible with your own personal moral norms, right? Um, and engagement with other people involves working within and, and with them and you're likely, like, understanding that you're likely to be faced with different norms. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, that seems Scanlon, legit. Scanlon is not a very good pluralist. <laughs> As I said, okay. baby pluralism for babies. There is like a thought of analysis of that what he what his pluralism that's in what we owe to each other is what's called initial pluralism. Yeah. Uh, and so the reason why he's not a very good pluralism is because in contra- under contractualism there needs to be eventually one great big, big moral system upon which people agree on the different points. And those, even those who disagree with some of the points, um, embrace it as an agreed upon action anyway, right? So mm-hmm. this is a contradiction in how pluralism works. Um, this is uh, like this is like baby pluralism because like big boy pluralism, <laughs> big boy pluralism uh, contends like there's like a lot more. Nuance, there doesn't need to be one moral system. You need to be, like, flexible, be able to work within different moral systems. Um, you need to be able to to think about people different than you, and you don't have to force them to agree with each other, right? You, you don't have to, like, have conversations about that stuff because you have standards as a human being, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Right, so pluralism is a lot more complicated, and there is a pluralist challenge to this to his work, to Scanlon's work. Um, But the reason I bring this up is because Chidi is trying to operate in one grand moral system that he is trying to force Eleanor into. Okay? So he's saying Kantian ethics, lying is always wrong, but he's using it as as part of a one grand moral system and trying to take Eleanor and her admittedly dubious ethics um, for some of these things mm-hmm. and, like, bring her under his umbrella and do what he wants her to do, right? Which you can see how that also is, like, a failure on some other levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is why Scantlin is important, so that you understand, like, this is fucking layered. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah, like, I was watching this episode, and I was like, there's so much going on here. I can't. Um I am going to now not talk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Fair. I hope you've enjoyed this TED talk. (laughs) I genuinely really have. It has been lovely. Um, I have, I have notes that I think are probably equally intelligent. um, If we're all ready for that. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. Um, So one of my notes here is that the joke um, when Eleanor tells Janet to recite the alphabet and Janet says A, B, Janet is not a funny joke. No, it's not. And I think that that note is is equally intelligent and important. <laughs> <laughs> she knows her A, B, Janets. 
Yeah, that was it, not a funny joke. I was wasn't. really annoyed by that joke. It was bad. It was just kind of boring. It was. Uh, You're telling me felt there are a jokes little bit... that flop <laughs> in this show. It's it also felt a little bit ableist. So um, that did feel a little ableist. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, because, I mean, Chidi is literally comparing Janet with being, like, a baby uh, yes. or a child. Um I suppose it depends on the age that he's literally thinking of, but like children can recite their ABCs. Yes. Um, yeah. And yes. I don't know. Yeah, it felt very. Even like giving Janet that role of like acting that way. Yes. Was just kind of like, eh? Like, I didn't yeah. like it. I thought yeah. it was really funny that she showed up facing the corner. Yes, I liked yes. that one. That, that was, a was good fucking execution. hysterical. Yes. Uh, we are knocking on the door of my biggest problem with this specific episode and now the show overall. Oh, go ahead. Go do it. It's the AI ethics of this show. Oh, yes. Ooh, dig and into that, yes, Gavin. Let's do it. So let's do it, Gavin. I, I get it. Like, I get it. I get it. I understand that she's she's a bad person. I get it. But we need to talk about the fact that we have Eleanor as a bad person character that says these things about Janet that dehumanizes Janet mm -hmm. and thus calls into question the idea is a is an AI who operates on the level as Janet is Janet a person and the good place has done it is episode seven I get it I get it it's a half hour sitcom I get it but also <laughs> if we're gonna trot out all of this other shit and I understand that there's probably a three fucking episode arc coming up next week about this but so far we are not doing any due diligence with this Janet insulting shit and it's yeah. bad enough to the point where when we were watching this, Jordan turned to me and said, I don't like that. Like, we had to have a serious conversation about how it is actively uncomfortable to see Eleanor talk about Janet like this. Because I feel like, as a pop culture zeitgeist, we've kind of all gotten on board with the fact that, yes, AI as it exists now, don't really knock on the door of having to have the Turing test conversation. Right. But yeah. in the world of the good place where the conceit is Janet is everything is yeah. the sum total of knowledge for these super beings that run the afterlife that we're just regularly letting a character say Janet's not a person or does not have any agency of her own with which to decide anything, even though it is explicitly stated that these are hard-coded rules, which is the oldest trick in the AI book, when having mm -hmm. the conversation about, is this a person? Is Janet her own person who has these changes forced upon her because she is used as a machine? Or is she just... Um, a sh phone. My phone's vehemently agreeing with me right now, which I feel is thematically <laughs> relevant here. Or is she just a tool? So this is uh, fascinating for me because the first yes. time I watched The Good Place, uh, you know, I loved Janet. I was totally on board with you. Meow, meow, meow. Um, 
So the last couple of weeks have been, uh, so Amazon's bad. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. And I'm not going to lie. So, so like the hug house server has been a light with discussions <laughs> on data privacy and AI and algorithmic thinking, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because it's very obviously tied to valence is a huge inspiration for valence. So it has been on my mind a lot recently. Um, but that does mean that when I watched this episode, uh, I was a little thinking, you know, killer. Well, yeah. <laughs> like that, again. Killer dead. Killer dead. The only, they, you the can only make bad another thing is one. that she'll come back better. That's bad. <laughs> That's the but, only bad thing about it. Killer. <laughs> but the show wants you to be like, yes, Eleanor's in the wrong. I know. But, we, but nobody is having the conversation about Janet is. Per I get that I'm more sensitive to this as somebody who makes a show with an AI and the AI is like one of my favorite characters right, in it. Right, right, right. And that I have an affinity for this. But because I have an affinity for the AI in a thing, be it the shitty Kevin Spacey AI in Moon or Janet, like. Right. We are living in a reality where we have a multi national conglomerate megacorp that if you have a tiktok account and you start working for them your tiktok account mysteriously becomes extremely pro amazon immediately and that sounds like a conspiracy theory but Are once you i started about the u.s military um because it's true that for that too, too that too but amazon actually this is i've seen five different accounts do this now where it is a fucking nobody tiktok account that posts like makeup shit like it's like nothing they have no following and then suddenly they start referring to amazon as we they start posting about job openings they start posting hashtag oddly satisfying videos of them packaging boxes really quickly it's like <laughs> We've got these massive corporations running fucking psyops on children's social media platforms. You know, I think I think that's a wrap. Um, <laughs> not on Empty the Cues. Okay. So much as my life. Bye. <laughs> Bye, babe. Point the, the whole point being, there's all these different parts in motion. We are never gonna have a Janet. <laughs> never. We fucked that one up a long time ago, probably before English existed as a language, most definitely, because we fucked up there a lot. But you ever, you ever think about um, <laughs> you, ever, you ever think about how um, um, the end of Sufjan Stevens song, Fourth um, of July, um, you ever you ever think about how it's just Sufjan singing over and over and over we're all gonna die <laughs> we're all gonna die because i think about that all the time how, how thematically fitting because everyone's dead in the show hey there we go hey janet's not dead because she's an ai <laughs> <laughs> but she, but is each individual janet mm -hmm. its own person yeah. so or... <laughs> there's actually something here that i wanted to bring up but my my adhd is causing me to like lose it so i just need a minute yeah, yeah. um I wanted to talk about something related to, like, Michael talks about a soul and Janet. 
Oh, there's something oh, about the hard coded versus... ethics. Yeah, hard coded yeah, yeah, ethics. Yeah, yeah. Go no, for no, it. No, no. Okay. Uh, hard coded ethics. Okay. So you were talking earlier when you were talking about Janet and being an AI that she has hard coded rules. Yes. Right. Classic AI thing. Classic philosophy thing in ethics is that human beings have hard coded rules. Right. Um. Uh, for instance, Kant, who I just mentioned, right? It is we have human dignity. That is a thing. And you cannot betray that human dignity because that is unethical and immoral. Sort of the basic programming of what counts as good and evil. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why good discussions about AI ethics <laughs> take into consideration the ideas of things like right and wrong, good and evil. What does it mean to have those encoded by people? Right, algorithmic mm-hmm. bias. Mm-hmm. All those oh, you mean things. like how you mean like how if you put up a, a photo yes. with a white person and a black person wearing the exact same clothes on Twitter, it'll it'll focus Centering on the, the white, white person. person's face. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the one. Um, but you also need to think about. Uh, oh no! I will restart the sentence in a moment. Mm-hmm. Take your time a bit. This is a complicated subject. On this show? Encoded. (laughs) Encoded with rules about good and evil. Algorithmic bias. Right. Um, It's also important when we're considering these discussions about artificial intelligence and whether they count as uh, a rational entity um, Mm, is -hmm. to determine what does it mean to be rational. Right, right. Um, That seems tricky. Yeah, so this is actually like a huge problem everywhere. It's not just a philosophy problem. It's also a huge legal problem. So a lot of the laws, a lot of laws in the U.S. anyway, um, are predicated on what what it is a rational person would do. Yes, um, which and as you there's can imagine, so many issues with that. Yes, there's a ton of issues with that. It's absolute bullshit. Yeah. Um, and You're the government me it's a has and will continue to get away with murder, literally, because of that statement. Right. Um, I mean, this is like, yeah. like I hate to pull on this because of all of because because obviously, but this is like yeah. literally why the trans panic and gay panic defenses exist. Yep, absolutely. So, yep. Uh, so this show is definitely trying to talk about AI ethics and what it does it mean to be a human. Yes, and using an artificial intelligence to get there. Yes, but at I will this say, point, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, because I think that's gonna lead into it. Yeah, at this point, we're at episode seven of season one, so of course it hasn't gotten in there. So it hasn't been fully developed yet, hopefully. Right. I I can say, and I think this, you know, again, is not really a spoiler, does not really come as a surprise. This is, we've had some, uh, like, very brief discussions of this concept uh, in episodes Mm -hmm. previous to this. Yes, very Um, brief. But because the first season, specifically, has to do so much exposition, we really just touch on like yeah. all of the major themes. And I can say that this this episode specifically is the first like rolling the ball down the hill 
for this discussion. That's what it feels like. Yeah, it does become one of the most prominent and recurring discussions in the show that gains a lot, a lot of nuance as we go. So That's good. Yeah, I I know that it seems like it's been a long time because it's episode seven and we're already seven episodes into season one, which I think is like halfway through season one. That Um, doesn't seem like a lot to me. Yeah, and that's the thing is like in the grand scheme of things, it it really, it really isn't. I I promise Mm -hmm. we do get there. Yeah, I think it's mostly a case like it's pretty clear to me that that's going to happen because of some of the hints that were dropped in this episode, right? Janet talks about having 25 generations and that yes. each generation after that is more advanced. Yes. Um, in that she not only knows more things, but she can act on more things in a mm-hmm. more quote unquote human like fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that's an indication that the next level of Janet that we're going to get after she finishes uploading um is going to be more flexible, I think, um, in terms of, like, the way that she acts, maybe. Um, and she's going to be able to make choices that she couldn't make before, I think, is what's going to happen. One of those choices being to put the purple suit back on. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, you miss it, huh? Uh, quite a lot. Oh. <laughs> oh. What is this funeral parlor flower bullshit? It's like when the doctor regenerates. Like, it hurts every time. So, yeah. Uh, That's AI ethics. Yeah. So. Let's see. Can I ask a question? Yes. Well. What the? Hold on. Maybe. (laughs) You, You can ask it. I don't know if I can answer it. Someone here has the answer. What the fuck is Weekend at Bernie's? Oh! Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, hang on. Let me, Go for it, Gavin. Let me get some, let me get some knuckle popping fully for you there. Thanks. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that deep. So Weekend at Bernie's is an 80s comedy where two, it's, it's like a college boob comedy, but the conceit is these two 20-something dudes are partying they're ready to party with babes at this really rich i think uncles uh like beach home but then he dies and because of a comedy of errors they have to pretend like he's still alive including a lot of puppeting his body and propping him up to pretend that he's still alive uh it is it was a massively successful comedy because of the conceit is it's on the poster. It's two dudes who are ready to rock it out of the beach and an obviously dead dude slumped between them when they've like put his arms up over their shoulders. So there's this guy who's doing all this comedic acting by pretending to be dead. It's amazing. It's like, and it's referenced so often. It's one of those like super hyper zeitgeisty things that just has really never died by virtue of you know, a consistent cycle of people referencing it and then people going back mm-hmm. and watching it and then people referencing it and then me, 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 yeah. And then the sequel throws it all in the garbage can by having fucking voodoo because white people wrote it Jesus come Christ. up and Bernie gets reanimated for a few scenes. Christ. There's a dance number. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't decide oh. if the funny thing was, was the fact that there's a dance number or the way that you said it. And Both? I think... It's both. It's both. It's both. A There's plus. a dance number. <laughs> um, 
let's take a quick break and talk about some of the very, very, very good, funny, funny jokes in this okay. episode. So specifically, Jason with the party poppers once so once Tahani says, so "Get rid of the party poppers," and he just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I also want to talk about directly after killing Janet with Cheaty being so stressed. Jason and <laughs> Jason saying, Cheaty, I know exactly what you need. Janet, can you get Cheaty some weed? Like, yeah, and then Janet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the layers of first off, like, first off, weed in the good place is very funny to me. Second off, uh, Jason just assuming that, like, Cheaty will go along with this is very yeah. funny. And then third, they literally just killed her. <laughs> I, this is nothing, but I, I I was surprised that they were magically able to change all the party decorations around post Janet being dead. Yes. <laughs> Implying they had the supplies with which to do this already. <laughs> Tahani orders extras just in case. Just in case. <laughs> Apparently there's a Parks and Rec reference. I didn't catch it, huh? Uh Pluragloss. Poragloss is yeah. is apparently an invented color that Parks and Rec invented. That makes sense. That feels right. There's like there's a few throwbacks to Parks and Rec. Um, yeah. At one point, I believe they drink uh, Jean Ralphio's champagne. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say that my favorite joke surprises no one. Okay. And it is, this is why everyone hates moral philosophy professors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, they do because. <laughs> It is. <laughs> oh, I, I also, I really liked, so when Janet started doing her interpretation of human crying, I was like, this is not a very good joke. And then? But then, <laughs> yeah. but then first off, Michael saying, Janet, that was beautiful. That got me. But then what really got me was Janet saying, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We're probably killing people by not talking about the scene that's in this episode. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about that scene because um, this was the scene that both of you had seen before watching the show itself. So yep. how did it feel in context? Uh, I was really excited because once, as soon as Eleanor was like, can we kill Janet? I was like, oh shit, this is the death button scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I immediately just like, oh, my God, this is the lead into that scene. And I was like, oh, I thought that was so much later. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I was really excited. Uh, I think that, it, you know, in context, it lived up to what I wanted. Uh, in fact, I actually thought it was funnier, which is not surprising because I saw it super out of context, did not know any of the characters, did not yeah. know right, any of the backstory right. or what was happening. And so. But also um, Darcy Carden is just selling it oh yeah she's when she's phenomenal. holding up the framed picture of the, the, the these are the children the nickelodeon kids choice words when she's holding these are my three children look at her like she just threw <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's just me so actually during that those parts where she's begging for her life i actually didn't find it believable and <laughs> Yeah, like I think I didn't find it believable, but I really adored her 
commitment to the bit. Yes, commitment to the bit is hilarious. Um, I think it's also hilarious that this is how, like, she's hard-coded to beg for her life, but that's obviously, like, interpreted by her understanding of how humans beg for their lives. Yes. She she has, like, a Dr. Susie in control of reality, yeah. so she can just... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then the thing that was like, oh, it was like Eleanor stepping back and saying, oh, it's so realistic. And I'm just like, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the comedy version of going to a haunted house. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You're watching it because it's kind of uncomfortable, but also hilarious. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this episode, yeah, this uh, this scene was it was good. I actually, um, I did not watch the part of the scene where Jianyu comes in. Oh right. Also, yeah. why does she call him Jianyu? Yes. Why, why does she? I did make that note. Why do you call him Jianyu when you're in private and no one can supposedly hear you? Right. It was to really keep weird. up the act or the writers forgot. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> it's like call him Jason. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, uh. So yeah. So actually, like Jianyu coming in was peak comedy for me. Yes. Uh, I laughed my ass off. I forgot about <laughs> uh, that. And it was so fucking good. I oh, hit the button. <laughs> the last time that I saw the scene, uh, it ended. Um, right before he comes in, Got when it. they're like, like when they're turning to each other and starting to argue. Um, but yeah, uh, what do you think, Gavin? I thought it was a good scene. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a good scene. There good is scene. one more thing that I think we should talk about. Yes, we have not talked about Michael being sad. Oh yeah, um, and cranky. Um, and specifically, we have not talked about his list of human things that he wanted to do. Yes, I do have. Okay, so I do have the full list here. Yeah, I will read it out. Sounds good. He wanted to before he he wanted to do these human things before the eternal shriek. He wanted to get his hair wet, pull a hamstring, learn the difference between toward and towards, do the awkward hallway dance when you're not sure there's like another person you don't know uh, who should go which way. Get a rewards card. Talk briefly and then say, take it sleazy. And eat a saltine. He does eat a saltine. He says, pretty dry, too salty. Yep. <laughs> which they can be. And and when he, after he eats the saltine, he turns to leave and Tahani yes. says, take it sleazy. <laughs> and then... He's like, oh, my God, you got to say it. And then she's like, well, in conversation, you just say it back. No, it's not Uh, organic. And then he says it's not organic. And here is something very fun for you. This is not organic is no, it's a giant lie. This conversation that you're thinking that we have is a lie. And I don't want to participate in it because it's not real. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So... I thought that was very interesting that Tahani is trying to create a shared system, right? In this case, the system is a conversation where he can say, take it sleazy mm-hmm. in order to make him feel better, but it just makes him feel worse. Yes, absolutely. Right. So that's another like very brief instance of like how they are talking about forms of lying mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. outright talking about lying, like the word lying. Ellie, you're so goddamn smart. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, in Not Smart Land, I appreciated the really good burn he gets in on Tahani, where she's like, oh, don't blame yourself. And he's like, I'm not. I'm not. I'm I blame you. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. Not going to lie. Yeah, I think I, I, I like. Okay. So 
Oh, God. You're Okay, both of you have to reel me in because we've already been recording for just over an hour, and I'm going to talk about something, and the second okay. I say what it is, you'll know why you have to reel me in. Okay? Okay. I really love the discussion of what makes human human as small, mundane, silly things. I think that this is perhaps best exemplified in the seminal... Uh, multimedia work 17,776. Stop. Um, oh or what football will look like in the future, which has. The sequel of which is out. The sequel of which uh, is out. I have not read today's uh, edition, which, uh, I, which should show you both how much I love you. I am both sober right now and not reading this. I love you both very wow. much. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, which if, so if you have not engaged with seventeen thousand seven hundred seventy six, what future, what football will look like in the future by John Boys on SB Nation, um, please do it. It's really beautiful and like one of the best pieces of art ever made in my life. Um, I am a big believer that what makes human human is small, mundane, silly things that have no consequence other than um, to happen. Yeah. I love that. A bunch of white male philosophers would like to tell you that what makes you human is your ability to have free, rational choice. And by free rational choice, I mean, I mean Julius Caesar of Winston Churchill. I think that all of those people should get laid more often and, <laughs> uh, like, hang out Will, with people. Well, rolling up on a powered Razor scooter says, fuck some more, you losers. Yeah. And just burn it out. Honestly, like. Honestly. Like, maybe just, just smoke a joint. Yeah. Get laid. Um, yep. Have a normal conversation <laughs> with a normal person, um, yeah. and fucking chill. <laughs> Maybe you should give us advice. The fact that any of this is coming from me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've been in therapy. Walk into a lecture. That's true. I guess actually, that's the real crux of it. Is I don't think these people need to get laid more. I mean, I do, uh, but I also think that they should just go to fucking therapy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, fully agree. Also. <laughs> Uh, everyone, also including Will and Gavin, I think it would be interesting to have a session where where we all we a session like this is therapy. Um, <laughs> Where's that sound effect from the Beastars track? <laughs> I will lay it in. Uh, <laughs> where we talk about um, what it means to be human via the lens of not just the good place, but other forms of media. But all of the shows. We can have big kid roundtable, oh, yeah. all of us babies. We could have big kid roundtable about what it means to be human because all these shows do talk about that. Yeah, that's very true. Yep. Fuck yeah. Even B stars, which is about animals. Well, we will now be taking donations over PayPal for anyone who wants to contribute to Will being able to travel to colleges around the country so that Will can walk into their lectures, uh, say 69, Google it, and then nod their head forward so so sunglasses fall down onto the bridge of their nose. And then they just sort of, they just sort of heely away backwards. I was literally going to say, am I wearing heelys in this scenario? I hope I am. <laughs> Oh, and they'll always escape because the entire student body, virtual or real, will just start applauding. <laughs> and by movie rules, Will has won. That's my dream. You just Amazing. you just flick an edible at him like a like when a like like when a fancy dude in an old movie flicks a coin at a young <laughs> urchin. Amazing. It's okay. ten milligrams. Have fun. <laughs> 
god. Okay, anything else for this episode? We should really wrap up soon. Yeah, we should wrap up. Uh, <laughs> oh I don't god. think... Hang on, I'm checking my notes really quick. Give me a second. Me too. Oh, we did a cringe counter. I problems in this episode, so we got that. Um, we didn't do a cringe counter. My only cringe was A.B. Janet. What about y'all? Uh, 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 Eleanor being shitty about AI. Legit. My cringe counters were actually uh, the cheaty flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, one in the scene where he is receiving his new boots mm-hmm. uh, and during the hospital scene. Very fair. Because Very fair. There is an alternate timeline where I am a moral philosophy professor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, felt. In this case, I am a moral philosophy, like, talking head on a podcast. So, you know, it's borderline. <laughs> Only for you to one day get interrupted during lecture by Will. 